With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Welcome, everyone. This is Tracy Velt, Senior Director of Content and Data. I'm filling in for Sarah Wheeler today on the podcast. I'm joined today by Brooklyn Hahn, a real estate reporter for Housing Wire and Real Trends. And we talk all things real estate, including a National Association of Realtors victory and a renewed DOJ antitrust probe and some interesting uh, facts about Compass and EXP. Um, and at properties and the profitability of brokerage firms. So, Brooklyn, thank you for joining the podcast. Of course. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you've had quite a bit of reporting to do recently on the real estate industry. And I wanted to start out with the um, National Association of Realtors. They, um, the Department of Justice Antitrust Investigation into the trade group's practices Uh, They had a settlement and that settlement, then they decided they were going to reopen that case. Um, And recently uh, they decided that the case was settled as as they originally settled it. So why don't you tell me a little bit about how NAR was victorious in that antitrust probe? Sure. Yeah. So um, last Wednesday, um, a judge in the U.S. district or a judge for the U.S. district for the District of Columbia, as you said, ruled that the earlier settlement terms um, were still valid. Um, and, you know, this was this was definitely a victory for NAR. Um, the, the, you know, the, the uh, probe had been settled back in 2020, and then it was reopened in July 2021, um, you know, once the Biden administration had been sworn in. Uh, and then uh, in September of 2021, NAR filed a petition to set aside or modify the DOJ's probes into um, the trade group. And things had kind of been going, you know, back and forth. We hadn't been hearing a lot. Um, and it was really uncertain of what was going to happen next. And, you know, in addition to this antitrust probe from the DOJ, NAR and, you know, some of the major brokerage players in the real estate space, like Anywhere, EXP, Keller Williams, are all facing um, antitrust lawsuits. And, you know, this doesn't take away the fact that NAR is still facing those antitrust lawsuits. But, you know, it definitely, I think, it probably gives them a little bit more confidence in that you know, what their outcome will be in those antitrust lawsuits, Um, you know, considering that, you know, a judge ruled in their favor, uh, you know, and over the government basically in this case. Yeah, it'll be really interesting how they how those other lawsuits um, turn out, because this was specifically about um, disclosing to buyers how how they're paying their agents and how uh, buyers agents get paid and just providing more disclosure in general about how the transaction works. Um, and, and there are a lot of different ways to look at it because I think that, you know, there, there are choices that you don't 
buyers, you know, do not, consumers do not have to use an agent. Um, they can negotiate the, the commission. Um, but the idea was that they, they weren't really, they didn't really feel that buyers understood that. Um, so what are you, what are you hearing out there concerning this? Um, I mean, I feel like, well, from NAR, obviously, they're very pleased about the outcome um, and, you know, are, are kind of optimistic looking ahead. But there is a lot of concern still, especially among agents of, you know, what will happen with these other antitrust cases and, you know, what the future of buyer broker commissions look like and, you know, how that's all going to work. You know, the main claim is uh, basically that by having the seller uh, pay for the buyer's agent commission by the seller's agent splitting their commission half, usually 50-50 with the buyer broker, um, you know, that's inflating home costs for home buyers. And, you know, at the end of the day, real estate agents uh, and buyer brokers need to, you know, earn a living. And, you know, if they're not earning money through, uh, you know, sharing the commission with the seller's agent, you know, is the buyer then going to have an added cost tacked on, um, you know, that's for a lot of home buyers surprising, like closing costs are sometimes, especially for first time home buyers, um, you know, and so people are confused as to kind of what the next steps are, what this will look like in practice moving forward. Um, and you know, what it will mean for uh, home buyers and their agents. Yeah, definitely. Um, it is. It's really interesting because I think that, you know, I, I think that the there's a lot of brokers talking about now having their buyer's agents um, have the have the buyers sign these buyer representation agreements. I know there are several brokers are really moving, moving to this. And, and the, these um, representation agreements outline how the agent is paid and what the buyer is responsible for as, as a way to be transparent um, with consumers about how, how they're paying their agent. Uh, and I know you uh, sat in on a seminar at a recent industry conference on that. Is there anything new that you heard about buyer representation agreements? Really, I mean, kind of people are hedging their bets uh, moving forward and, you know, a lot of brokers and brokerages are encouraging agents to use these, um, you know, buyer agreements um, just because, you know, they they want to be prepared for what might happen in the future. And they don't want it to kind of come as a shock or a surprise to their agents or, you know, to clients as well. They want this to kind of feel more like the norm. Um, and, you know, at this seminar, there was a lot of talk about, you know, the current market shift and handling this downturn. And one of the big topics was like having plans in place and knowing what to do um, and, you know, start acting on those plans early if you can, whether it's, you know, seeing a housing market slowdown coming and finding ways to kind of rein in spending um, and, you know, being better prepared for, changes and fluctuations in the market or something like this with, um, you know, potential changes to buyer broker commissions. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and um, I know you sat in on a session where some of the executives in the um, in the industry talked about kind of leadership through a slow housing market. And I know one of the things is is to stay out of the news and you can't stay out of the news. However, if you've read anything on real trends and housing, where you'll see that there are a lot of positive signs to the market right now. And I think that's really important for for agents and leaders to to understand, um, we kind of went through this area where where buyers were on the fence and they're coming back now. Inventory is still low, so so there's still prices have kind of um, they are not decreasing like they were, and it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. What are some of the um, what have some of the leadership executives talked about at this conference with the with the slow housing market? What are some of the things they're doing um, with their agents specifically to prepare? You know, education, of course, is really big. Making sure that agents have been on the go for the past you know, two years or so with, you know, the 2020 housing market, the 2021 housing market, and then the first half of 2022. It's just been go, go, go. And things have slowed down finally a little bit. And, you know, agents have this time now to invest in continuing ed and invest in, uh, you know, reaching out and deepening the relationships of the contacts they have in their CRM. You know, taking time and spending time doing the things that maybe they just didn't have time to do or, you know, neglected a little bit during the height of the frenzy of, you know, this pandemic market that we've been in for the past couple of years. Um, But, you know, a lot of these leaders, you know, it was uh, Hobby Hanna from Howard Hanna, uh, Christy Budnick from Berkshire Hathaway, Glenn Sanford from EXP and Sherry Chris from um, Anywhere Expansion Brands Portfolio. And obviously these are you know, real estate industry veterans, leaders who have been in the business for a while and have, you know, been there, done that, seen market shifts and changes, um, you know, over the decades that they've been in the business. And, you know, one of their biggest pieces of advice to brokers, other executives, um, you know, broker owners of small indie firms, you know, is to have this, have a confidence basically, and have a plan because, you know, when there is a shift or a change in the market, the first person that agents will turn to is their broker. And if their broker is looking panicked and, you know, deer in the headlights and, you know, oh my God, what's happening? What do we do now? That agent's going to be thinking, okay, well, I'm not in a good place. Like maybe I should need to move my license and uh, join a different firm. And, you know, you don't want to lose agents and especially, you know, agents that are highly productive. So you want to have, you want to have confidence, you want to have a plan um, and you want to, you know, regularly talk to agents. You know, one of the things that uh, they said was like almost over communicate and make sure that these agents know the plan, know what you're doing, know how you're trying to mitigate risk or mitigate costs and what you're doing to, you know, help those agents succeed now that the market is very different than it was, you know, nine months ago. Yeah. And it, and it's interesting. And, um, you know, really brokers and agents should understand the data behind the housing market. And we do a weekly, um, Altos Research does a weekly look at inventory and the housing market 
And right now, they're feeling very confident about the way things are going. It's early. However, um, in the recent video, their question was, have we already seen the bottom for the housing market or is it a temporary blip? Um, And they go through the data every week um, as of right now. It's real-time data. And so right now, the... Available inventories declined again, and that was really a surprise, I think, to most of the experts. Um, They continued to think that inventory was going to grow, and it hasn't. So I think um, a lot of people are very optimistic about this market moving forward, and um, we'll just have to see how it plays out. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, cautious optimism was definitely the tone that I got overall from this event. Um, you know, people are excited that, you know, home builder sentiment is on its way up for the, you know, rose for the first time, uh, in a year in January and, you know, mortgage purchase applications are up as well. Um, so, you know, things are picking up for sure, but there are still, you know, tons of headwinds, uh, and especially in terms of inventory, that is definitely, a concern. And I feel like it's, you know, we've been talking about inventory now for what feels like well over a year. Um, and, you know, last late last summer, it was starting to pick up and people were feeling a little bit better um, about the balance that was coming back. But, you know, with the slowdown and, you know, home sellers, uh, you know, uncertain of, well, if they want to, you know, end up with another mortgage that's much higher than maybe the one that they refinanced or they have on their current property. Um, and it's also a compounding effect that, you know, I'm hearing from a lot of agents that they have people who, you know, are wanting to sell or considering selling, but there's no other houses on the market. So they don't know where they're going to go if they sell their home. So that's preventing them from listing. And, you know, I'm hearing that from a lot of agents. So I think that that's, you know, kind of a a chicken and the egg type situation. And, you know, people are just going to have to start listing their homes for there to be more inventory. Yeah, absolutely. Um, The final thing I want to talk to you about is this um, crazy session that you went to with with a featured um, Compass executive, the co-founder of App Properties and an EXP executive, um, kind of complaining or shooting down each other's business models. I thought that was um, really kind of interesting. And, uh, you know, I know one of the things that that we feel at Real Trends is that every business model has merit. So tell me a little bit about that session. Sure. It definitely was interesting. Um, and uh, it, it got a little contentious at times, but everyone played nicely for the most part. Um, and, you know, that's, you know, what you just said about there being space in place for all of these different business models. That's something that, um, you know, the EXP executive, Leo Pereja on the panel said uh, in closing. And, you know, it really is up to the agent, uh, you know, figuring out what works best for them. I mean, there are some agents who absolutely feel that they have to have a brick and mortar office to go into. And so obviously those agents would not choose to uh, go to EXP, um, you know, in, because, you know, it's a cloud-based brokerage. Um, but, you know, there are other things and each brokerage definitely has its strengths and weaknesses. 
And this is kind of what this session dove into. It was definitely, I think a lot of the contentiousness came from, um, there had been an uh, episode of the Real Deals YouTube show called The Closing about a week before. And uh, Thad Wong, the co-founder of At Properties, had, uh, you know, threw some shots at Compass and their business model um, and kind of a lot of the things that go on with Compass. Um, and so, and Thad Wong was on the panel along with Rory Gallaud, the president for Compass's Northeast and California divisions. And um, that kind of was the main point or part of this discussion. Um, You know, Thad Wong's kind of main gripes about Compass were around how the firm was, you know, advertised itself and was valued as a technology firm. And then how the firm sold stock shares to agents at discounted prices. Um, And, you know, a lot of people have kind of echoed uh, Thad Wong's sentiments about Compass being valued as a tech company and like it's a brokerage, not a tech company. Um, obviously, Compass has some great technology and I did a deep dive into that um, last summer. Uh, and, you know, it, it has some really strong tech offerings for its agents that a lot of agents really like um, and it does attract some agents to Compass. But Thad Wong's kind of main things with that is that it's not a tech company because it's not scaling this technology. It's not selling it to other firms. Um, And then, you know, he was like, you take that with kind of the big layoffs that have been going on, the the profitability issues that Compass is having um, and, you know, agents leaving Compass recently. um, And, you know, he said it was a disingenuous uh, valuation of the company. Um, Obviously, Rory Cola did not love that. Um, and, you know, it's no secret that Compass's stock prices have dropped drastically from uh, when it first went public in April 2021. Um, but kind of Glaude's argument was that, you know, the stock market itself has dropped significantly since April 2021. Um, and, you know, when viewed in that context, it's not so bad. But, you know, it, it definitely got heated. It was interesting. Um, and, you know, uh, there was also talk about kind of Compass's uh, agent recruitment strategies. Obviously, in August of last year, they stopped the incentives and things like that to bring agents in. And um, according to Galad, since then, um, about a thousand agents have still joined Compass. Um, so in his view, this is not preventing people from coming to Compass and it's, you know, those incentives weren't why people were coming to Compass. Um, but one of the incentives that they had previously used was like these discounted stock shares. And um, Bad Wong, you know, did not like that they were basically asking agents to buy, uh, you know, stock share, shares in the company. Um, and that, you know, it was hurting agents because the stock price had dropped so much. and. Uh, you know, that was definitely a point of contention. Um, you know, Compass is really optimistic that, you know, it'll come back strong, um, you know, in the coming years. Uh, and, you know, they brought up the argument that a lot of great firms and uh, have gone from, you know, super high uh, initial offerings to dropping significantly to then going back up higher to where they than when they started. Um, but, you know, 
time will tell basically with, you know, what will happen with Compass. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the contention that they are are being um, valued as a tech company is no longer true. I think that you can see that with the stock price that Wall Street's figured out that um, you know, Compass, like every other real estate company, it, you know, is subject to the whims of the market and they're understanding that. So while they may have been originally valued um, as a tech company, I don't believe that's really happening anymore. And I think that, um, you know, right, how it will play out remains to be seen. But I do believe that they're they're really working hard at um, having a profitable company like everyone else is. And uh, at Properties has done some great work recently with uh, franchising and getting uh, Christie's International offices up as well. So, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of opportunity for both as well as, of course, EXP, where Glenn Sanford recently stepped back in um, to the CEO role. Yeah, certainly. You know, this is a great time for growth for, you know, all sort every firm in the real estate industry space. You know, I also cover the title insurance industry and a lot of the top title firms are, you know, really taking this time to prepare and get ready for, you know, the next refi boom or the next, you know, big uptick in sales because, you know, if they can speed up processes and make things better for real estate agents and, you know, home buyers and sellers, they'll be the ones that succeed when the market really picks back up. And, you know, I'm hearing the same thing from real estate agents and brokers and, uh, you know, the overall theme, I think, you know, from a lot of companies and agents at this uh, seminar was just that, you know, put in the work now and you will be able to grow. And this is when, you know, growth happens. Yeah, absolutely. This, there's a lot of opportunity in this market. Uh, well, Brooklyn, thank you so much uh, for joining the podcast today. We really appreciate your insight and reporting on these important issues. Of course. Thanks for having me. Success might look different this year, but it's out there for those willing to work for it. That's why 2023's Gathering of Eagles will focus on forging opportunities, the perfect chance for industry leaders to take a proactive approach to continually move the needle in their businesses and the real estate industry at large. Gathering of Eagles will bring together the nation's top residential real estate CEOs, presidents, and C-level leadership teams to grow, network, and set the pace for what's next in our industry. 2023's GOE is at Omni Barton Creek Resort in the rolling hill country of Austin, Texas from June 18th until the 21st. Learn more and register your spot on the events page at realtrends.com. And we can't wait to see you in Austin. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.